It is great to be back. I've missed you guys, and it's wonderful to see your smiling faces. All I have seen is Mark and Amanda and the worship team, and they're beautiful to look at. Um, but I love seeing you as well. It's great to be back with you. We had a great time away. Thanks for your prayer and support as we were visiting family in Canberra, and it is so good to be back with family here. I'm just going to begin by um, offering up a prayer to our Lord as we jump into this text together. Jesus, we do thank you so much for who you are. We thank you for the opportunity we have to sit at your feet. And Christ, though this topic around the sin struggle isn't a joyful topic to discuss, it's a necessity. And I just pray you remove me completely and you use me, Christ, that each and every one of us sitting in this space today will be drawn to your feet and will be in awe of your presence and that your Holy Spirit has its freedom, his freedom to move and do as you see fit. We love you, Christ. And all this that we speak of today is for your honor, for your glory, and for your purpose. We ask it in your name, Jesus. Amen. This text in Romans 7 is a text that's even hard to reach. Chantel did a fantastic job reading through it without having a tongue twister because it can be easily get very confusing to even try to understand as you read it out. But it's a topic that I think is so important. Paul is really talking about an age-old challenge, a battleground, if you will, that has been around since the beginning of time. In the beginning in the garden, the battle was placed there by the enemy who came and decided to bring deceit and lies into the heart and the mind of humanity. But from that moment on, as sin was born into humanity, and sin is just missing the mark. It's disobedience. It's not doing what we are called to do. And when we walk in this place of sin, it's a battleground for our life because we have a choice to make. And Paul is talking about that here. And you can see, even as he writes this, some of the things he says, man, he's expressing it. Look in verse um, 21, sorry, 22 and 23. Paul says this, For I delight in the law of God according to the inward man. I delight in the law of God according to the inward man. See, I, I'm now born again. I've been redeemed. I've been set free. There now dwells within me the presence of the Holy Spirit that God promised to me. And in this inward man, I actually desire to do what is good, what is honoring to God. I have this desire to do what is right. And Paul makes that point there in verse 22. He says it. I delight in the law of God according to my inward man. But look at verse 23. But I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. But wait a minute. Even though within me is this desire to honor God, there's also this struggle to honor myself. There's this tug of war going on in life. Now, um, Mark, if you'll come up, mate, and be this wonderful help to me once again. You probably wondered if you saw, if you're at home, you can't see, but there's a rope right along the edge. If you'll just pull that rope out, mate, um, and grab it in the middle. If he doesn't get the middle, let him know. This is a test for him to see if he can get the middle of the rope. Yes. So... 
life is a tug of war, and that's what we're talking about, and that's what he is depicting in this text, that we are in a tug of war in life. Now, when you think about it, Mark is going to represent humanity, and this is going to be the line that is drawn between what is right and what is wrong, and there he stands in the middle of that, standing there, and every day, beloved, we walk in this place, and on this side, we'll say, this is what that inner man delights and desires, the, the things that brings honor to God, and that's, that's love for God, okay? And on this side over here, I don't think he's quite measured it out right, but that's okay. On this side over here, this is probably more accurate. There's more on this side than there is on that side. There's love for self and desire to honor self. And there we are right in the middle of this place. Now, what is it in our love for God? What are the things that we do? What brings or reflects true honor and glory to God, a love for God? What does that in our life? You can respond. It's okay. What reflects a, 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 an ambition or desire to love God? Worship. What else? Obedience. What's that? Blessing others. Loving others. Walking by faith. What? Guidance. Kindness to others. Prayer time with God. Scripture reading. What else? Understanding. All these things represent a desire within us to love God and bring honor to God. Now, what I need is a couple of volunteers up here. Mel, you're fantastic. Thanks for volunteering. William, you're amazing. If you'll come and stand right here as well, you guys are incredible. Thanks for volunteering. Give them a hand. They volunteered so well. Awesome. Really nothing you have to do except pick up the rope and hold it. That is absolutely it. So when you think about they represent all those things that, that draw us into this love relationship, those things that we do, those things that we desire, that we know will show love to God. Now, what about things that show love to self? What reflects that? What are those things? What? Possessions? Pride? Selfishness? Greed? Money? Lust? Hate? Bitterness? Boy, we can name these all pretty good, can't we? Absolutely. I need a few volunteers over here. Thanks, Glenn. You're fantastic, man. I appreciate it. Gary, awesome. Wonderful. Your wife volunteered you, man. Um, <laughs> so if you guys would just pick up the rope on this side and just hold it. Now, what I want you to do now is I want you to pull it out. You're not going to actually tug it with William. Settle down, mate. Settle down. <laughs> I just want you to pull it till it's tight and there's a bit of tension. It's just a bit of tension there. All right, Mel's anchored in deep, man. She's ready to go. So here is this tension, and I want you to see this. So here's Mark representing humanity. And, and deep within those, those followers of Christ, those Christians he represents, deep within there is the desire that inner man to do what is right that's going to bring honor and glory to God. And it's tugging at his heart and his mind. But then on this side... Is that desire, that, that old nature, that, that flesh, if you will, is still there. It's yearning for things that bring self-gratification and honor to self and, and pleasure to self. And these two scoundrels represent those kind of things. And you're a good fit for that. I'm joking. I'm joking. And they are pulling, they're tugging as well. 
Do you feel this in your life? I mean, let's be honest. Every day, not once, not twice, probably three, four, 10, 20 times, you come to a place that your inward man longs, that inward woman longs to bring honor and glory because you love God. But battling, tugging against that is this desire to be recognized, to be seen, to be understood, to be accepted, whatever it is, and it's pulling at you. And there you sit in the middle. Now ask yourself, be honest with yourself. What are those things? What are those things in your life? Maybe it's gossip. Maybe it's greed. Maybe it's just the need for people to know what I'm about, and we got to make sure they understand who I am, so we push our agenda. Maybe it's addiction. Maybe it's lust. Maybe it's whatever. You fill in the gap for you. But it may not just be those things that you're doing. Maybe on this side it's the things that you're not willing to do. Maybe you're not willing to be kind or to be gentle. Maybe you're not willing to show love, to be peacemakers. Maybe the Holy Spirit is, is encouraging you to reach out to someone in need and meet a need, and you're not willing to do that. See, that too is about self, and it's tugging at the will of God. And over here, maybe there is this desire within you for God to be glorified through where you are every day. That you, you, you want to be kind, you, you want to express love, you want to do something that points people to God and not to you. There lies the battle. And here's the tension. And only you, beloved, know what that is, and I don't have to know. If you want to start naming your sins, Mark will listen to them. I don't want to know. But at some point in your day, as you grapple with this, and I hope you're getting the visual, as you grapple with this idea, at some point, you make a choice. At some point, you make a decision. And either you let go of the God-honoring side, and you move here, and you pull. And everything begins to move that way. Don't hurt them, man. Don't hurt them. Come back with these muscles, man. Or else you let go of the self-honoring side and you pull toward God's desire. See, this is where we are every day of our life. And I understand it's not something that we really like to talk about, but it's probably the most realistic truth that we need to grapple with in our, in our Christianity, that we struggle still as believers in Christ with the sin nature that desires to control us that wants to be in charge. This renewed life, this, this new creation, this renewed mind that we have, the Spirit is there um, just proclaiming and testifying into our heart and mind because we've given Jesus control as Lord of our life. But the selfish nature doesn't like it, and it battles it, and it wants control of your thoughts, and it wants control of your heart. That's the truth. And sometimes we just like to ignore it, pretend it's not there, but it's real. And I want us to talk about that today. 
If you'll just walk with me in this, as uncomfortable as it may be, thank you guys. You can put the rope down right there. Didn't they do a fantastic job? Thanks, Mark. And if you're at home and you're tuned in with us, I, look, I just want you to be honest with yourselves. And I want you to be able to be real today between you and God. He knows. As we talk about a very uncomfortable thing, the sin struggle that we face. Paul declared it. He even ends this whole text by saying, as you see that last little um, sentence down there, so then I myself in my mind am a slave to, law, to God's law, but in my sinful nature, a slave to the law of sin. I have this desire to honor and please God, but I'm aware, I'm aware that there's a work within me in my flesh that desires something else. Now, there's a few things in this text that I want us to talk about that maybe give us a, a clearer picture or a better understanding of this sin struggle as we try to learn how to deal as God's people, God's kingdom people at journeying through life and dealing with our sin nature. I should have included verses 7 through 9 in the, in the reading. Um, it could have been a bit more for Chantel to try to get tongue-tied on, but I didn't. But we do need to look there for the first thing I want us to see. So if you've got your Bibles, or if you're at home, if you pull out your Bibles, whether it be digital or hard copy, however you've got it, let's read verses 7 to 9 together. What shall we say then? Is the law sin? Certainly not. On the contrary, I would not have known sin except through the law. For I would not have known covetousness unless the law had said, you shall not covet. But sin, taking opportunity by the commandment, produced in me all manner of evil desires, for apart from the law, sin was dead. Look at verse 9. I was alive once without the law, but when the commandment came, sin revived, and I died. Awareness, awareness is confronting. The first thing I want you to understand about the sin struggle is that awareness is confronting. Paul is saying in this passage, look, I didn't know something was wrong, but when the law showed me that it was wrong, law isn't sin, but when it showed me it was wrong, boy, I felt the effect of sin. I even began to want to do these things in my flesh, and I just was dead. That's what he's saying in those verses. Because awareness is very confronting. Year 2000, I moved back to Australia. I'm back from the States, over to Australia again. I was serving at North Beach Baptist Church in Perth, WA. And I'd been there for, I don't know, maybe a, a month or so at this point. I had my little car, man, that they'd given me. And, and I was driving to work one morning to North Beach Baptist Church. And, man, I was happy. Life was good, man. I was living close to the beach. I mean, literally, um, the church was two blocks from the beach. That's why it's North Beach Baptist Church. And I just, life was fantastic. I had my window rolled down because I love windows rolled down. I was driving along. And as I get to a roundabout, and we're going around this roundabout, a cop's coming by the other way, so I wave to him real big, because I like cops, you know, they're good people. And I wave to him, and I look in my rearview mirrors, we always do, do we not? When a cop passes us, we look to see, are they gonna turn around? I didn't do anything wrong, man, but it's just a guilty conscience, you know? So I look back, sure enough, he made the roundabout and turned his lights on and followed me. I'm like, I'm not speeding, I'm not doing anything, what's going on? He pulls me over, he gets out, and he comes to my window, and he asks for my um, driver's license, which all I had was an American license, but that was fine. I could drive on that for, I think it's up to two years, something like that. Anyway, I give him my driver's license. He looks at it, 
And I don't know if he said Mr. Rutland or what he said, but he said, um, you're not wearing your seatbelt. No, I'm not wearing my seatbelt. Because in 2000, in the stage, you didn't have to wear your seatbelt. It wasn't a law by any means. He says, you have to wear your seatbelt here. And I have to admit, in the beginning, I was thinking, well, that's your law, not mine. <laughs> I didn't like it. You know, why do I need to wear my seatbelt? Hey, look, I was at that point, ooh, this would be testing, probably around 26 years old. I've been driving since I was 15, so 11 years. So I've been driving. I've done fine without a seatbelt up to this point. What do I need a seatbelt for? But he made it very clear to me that in Australia, the law is you wear a seatbelt. And if you don't wear a seatbelt, you're breaking the law. Well, guess what? No matter how much I didn't like the idea, it was truth. So from that moment on, anytime I got into a car and I chose not to put the seatbelt on, I knew I was breaking the law. I'm not a lawbreaker. So I wore my seatbelt. I didn't like it. It was tight. It was choking me. You know how kids are. It's choking me. It's too tight. I can't move. All these things. That's what I was feeling. But it was law. And see, beloved, in our life, the Holy Spirit is a policeman. Come on, get with me because this is good. The Holy Spirit is the policeman of our life. He's there to convict, to guide, to to lead. And he's going to come along to our life and he's going to say, that's not okay in the kingdom of God. He's going to come along to you and he's going to say, you cannot call yourself a follower of Christ and continue to habitually do those things. That's not okay in the kingdom of God. And then you, you don't like it. Let's be honest. I don't like it. But that's where the tension really becomes real. Now, I'm just going to meddle, and I'm going to push. And I don't want you to stand up and, and say it aloud, but where's that tension point in you? Where is your real sin struggle right now in your life? Where's the Holy Spirit maybe coming and pulling you over on the highways of life and saying, you can't do that in the kingdom. You can't do that. You see, our our desire is going to be to push back, just like I wanted to with that cop. Man, it's your law, not my law. But the reality is, it's truth. And can I encourage this? Because although awareness becomes confronting, it, it can shift a bit. In Australia, you wear seatbelts. Why do you wear seatbelts? Safety. Protection. And I think a slogan here is, seatbelts save lives. Right? There's safety in wearing a seatbelt. And that cop's desire for me wasn't to bring me under his power and control. It was to protect me in case there was a wreck that I was in. And this is so good, beloved. I want you to hear me. Get close. Listen. Are you with me? The conviction of the Holy Spirit in your life right now in this moment, it's not to control your life. It's to protect you. Because he knows what sin will do and how it will destroy and bring decay into your heart, into your mind, into your life. And it's not in the kingdom of God. It's not in the heart of the Father. And the Holy Spirit says, that's not good. 
And you might want to put on that seatbelt that the Holy Spirit's telling you to wear, and you might want to feel uncomfortable and fight it. But can I encourage you to embrace it? Because awareness can be confronting. Begin with me. Awareness can be comforting. It is now for me when I put on a seatbelt. Every one of my kids, they wear seatbelts. Because I believe in seatbelts. And I find comfort when I look back there and they're wearing seatbelts. And I find comfort when I have my seatbelt on. Because it brings protection. And just like the Holy Spirit is bringing conviction into our life and challenging and confronting us, when we submit, when we obey those things, it actually brings comfort to our life. So whatever the sin struggle is, I'm just being honest with you, whatever it is, it doesn't matter. Listen to the Holy Spirit and follow what he says to you. Because Paul began to realize, you know what? Man, when, when, when I was, the law said to me that I... Well, covenants was wrong. I realized I, it was wrong, and I was dead. I was dead in my sin. But we have life in Christ, amen? And he has he died for that sin debt and that payment, and the power of sin has no hold on us as believers anymore because it's been dealt with through Calvary and the resurrection. So you don't live in fear of what sin can do to you now in your eternity, but it can mess up your everyday life on earth. Are you with me? It can cause you not to bring honor and glory to the Father, which should be your heart and your desire. So awareness. Awareness can be comforting. I mean, um, it can be comforting. It can be confronting. But if we're willing to hear and listen, it actually becomes comforting to our life. The second thing I want you to see, if you look down in verse 15 now, for what I am doing, I do not understand. For what I will to do, that I do not practice, but what I hate, that I do. What do we usually do when we're met with something that we finally accept is a sin struggle in our life? I got this. I can overcome it. I know how to fix this, or I'll figure out how to fix this. We get this idea that, you know what, okay, this is wrong. Well, Jesus has already died for me, and he's given his life for me, and I'm a child of the king now, so I should be able to overcome this. I should do this. Are you with me? I should do this. Because it's what we say. Ambition. Second thing I want you to get. Ambition can be careless. Because this is what Paul is saying. Paul's saying, look, I I know what I'm supposed to do, and I want to do it. I really want to do it. But he realizes, I can't do it. And you can sit here today, and the Holy Spirit can bring conviction into a sin struggle in your life. And you can say, okay, I got it. I'm on it. I'm going to take care of it. And, beloved, you're going to fail. I'm just being honest with you. You're going to fail. Where we go to so often, as Paul, I believe, was going through as well, is we say, I can do better. I can do better. So we just become determined to do better. How does that work for you? How does it really work? I'm guilty. There are things in my life, man, the, the sin struggle. Yes, I have a sin struggle as well, just like you do. And I'll say, okay, I've got this now. I can do better than this. I know this. And I might do okay once or twice, but boom. Man, it just comes flooding back. Attention becomes too great. So we get in this place of I can do better, or else we say that will be better. And what I mean by that is 
We say, if I can just have a different style of worship, or if I can just go on a three-day retreat somewhere, or if I can find the five steps to overcoming my addiction to Oreo cookies, whatever it is, you know, if I can find that, then boy, I, I'm okay. I can get through it. So, so that is going to help me overcome my sin struggle. But that doesn't work either. Because no style of worship, no five-step plan, no other church, none of that gives you victory over your sin struggle. Then we can also go, well, they, they will help me do better. If I can just find the right mentor, the right person to counsel me through this, if I can just find the right new friend in my life, they're going to help me. They, they dealt with this. They know what to do. They're going to help me. And they might have some great insight, but they will not be the answer to conquering your sin struggle. Are you with me? Have you tried these things before? Because I, I speak out of my own experience. And when something happens, I'm like, I can do this, I can do this. And then I don't. Or if I can just do this, if I can just find this book and read this book, this is going to help me with this issue in my life. But it never works. If I, well, that person is amazing. They're incredible. They are one of the most awesome men of, men of God I've ever met. You're probably thinking about me, right? Um, that's it. If I can just get them to be my friend and walk with me. But you find out that they, just like you, have their own sin struggle that they can't figure out, and they don't have the answers. The other thing around our ambition that, that is careless, and all these things are careless. Now, understand None of them are bad. Having a desire to want to do right is not bad. Having a desire to expand your, your understanding and connection into God, intimacy with God, worship, those things aren't bad. Reading books, and those things aren't bad. Even finding people that are godly to mentor you and walk with you, they're not bad. Matter of fact, all those things are good. The problem is when you put them into place, hear me, of God. When you think they're going to help you fix your problem. They can't. They can't. And then my favorite of this idea of our ambition that really becomes careless is I'll just ignore it and it'll get better. I will do better. They will help me be better. Um, that will help me be better. I'll just ignore it and it'll get better. How many of us do that, man? We just pretend that sin struggle isn't there and it'll go away. You know, I love it, and I, and I see kids do this all the time. If they don't want to be seen, they just take their hands, um, and they do this. And every now and then they'll kind of do that. But they think because you can't see, they can't see you, you can't see them. Are you with me? You ever seen a kid do that, man? That's what they do. They just do that. It doesn't work. You can't pretend the sin isn't there. It's real, and it's bringing decay into your life. We're all susceptible to that just in everyday life of anything. You know, I've got, I've got some physical ailments in my back and different things, and I just say they're going to get better, and I probably should have went to a doctor months ago, but I haven't because I just say, oh, it's going to get better. And our sin struggle is the same. While we were in Canberra, Mally, um, her cousin, her little cousin is about the same age, was riding a bike without any training wheels. So this inspired her. 
to want to do better. She wanted to learn to ride a bike without training wheels, and Pity got out there and helped her, and in a few moments had her on it, riding well. And one day we were out there, and she was struggling to get on it and ride it without any help, and Kyle went over to just give her some advice. He said, Mally, if you'll just, ah, no, I'll do it, was her response, you know? And I watched her after that. I sat there at the picnic table, and she tried to get on that bike without some help and start pedaling. Once it was steady and she could get moving, she was fine. But she wanted to do it herself. And I watched her fall a couple times. I watched her leg get caught between the seat and the bar underneath it. And she's crying, of course, and she's screaming. I just let her go because she wants to do it. In our life, ambition is careless when we say to God, I can handle my sin. He says, okay, go for it. And all we do is damage ourselves and hurt ourselves. We have to realize as Paul came to this understanding, I want to, but I can't. I can't do it. And then comes the most powerful thought in this passage. Look with me. Verse 24 and 25. Oh, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? I cannot do this. I tried, I've tried, I have a desire to, but I just cannot do it. Who is going to deliver me? And verse 25 says, thanks to God for what? For Jesus Christ, our Lord. This is it. This is the moment I want to pull you to. You see, we can have awareness, and it does bring a sense of, of confrontation to our life. We can have ambition, and it is really careless. But admitting, admitting is conquering. It conquers. What is going to conquer your sin struggle is when you admit it is only Christ. It is only Christ who can get you through it. So I, I want you to think about something with me for a minute. I want you to see this moment of you standing here holding this sin struggle, tug of war, tension in your life. And whatever it is, and it's up to you, I, I, I don't want you to tell me, but whatever that sin struggle is, I want you to recognize and I want you to see what it is, hearing that, 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 the Holy Spirit, that cop in your life speaking and acknowledging in yourself, understanding yourself that I've tried and here are the ways I've tried, but boy, it's just not working. And then admitting that you can't and Jesus is the only one who can. And I want you to think about what that moment is. I want you to get it in your heart and your mind right now, whatever it is. Just take a minute. Take a minute. What is that moment at home? What is that moment for you that you're sitting there sitting there holding on what is it and you want to know how you're going to be able to move forward it's a new direction altogether it's a total change and it's instead of you holding on to the rope of your sin struggle and the tension you give it to Jesus you give it to Jesus and you hold on to him let Jesus have your sins today. Whatever it is, you just hold on to him. You see, in Galatians, Galatians chapter 2, 
I think it's verses 19 to 21. Listen to this. For I through Christ, sorry. For I through the law died to the law that I might live to God. Verse 19 of Galatians chapter 2. For I through the law died to the law that I might live to God. And Paul declares, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh. This is key. Remember the battles against the, the, the inner man and the flesh. And he says now that the life that I live in the flesh, I live how? By faith, by faith in the Son of God. Hallelujah. Beloved, Christ isn't just our salvation to a hope of eternity in heaven. It's a now salvation that walks me through my everyday life that is my faith in Christ when I let go of my sin struggle and let him have my sin struggle and I hold on to him in faith. I live my life with him living through me. And I live my life in such a way that in the flesh I live by faith in Christ. I let go, and I hold on to him. There's so much more to really dig into this idea of this in struggle. But to me, this is a key moment for you to be able to truly walk forward and to see this transformation of your own personal journey with Christ. It isn't just accepting what he did on the cross and believing that and his resurrection and that now I'm a new creation and I've got a, a hope in heaven that when I die, I'm going to be with him in glory. That is absolutely the end result. But what about the now? What about the everyday life, the sin struggle, the tension you're in? If you want to see victory, if you want to see conquering, you admit you can't do it and you give it to him. In faith that he, through the Holy Spirit, is going to give you what you need to find the victory for your life. In John chapter 15, Christ makes some incredible statements. And one of those statements is simply this, that in me you can do anything. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Abide in me, he says. Can I encourage you this week to go read that? Go read that because you see what's going to help you bring this passion, love for God and this submission to Christ to give him with complete willingness to that, that, that sin struggle in your life is when you realize that in his presence is the greatest place. And in his presence is where you get what you need. And you want to abide in him because in him you can do anything, but without him you can do nothing. Now, as our team comes up to lead us in our last song, I'm going to invite you in a moment to stand and think through this. And, hey, if you want someone to pray with you, we're here. We're not the answer to your sin struggle. Only Christ is. But if you want someone to pray with you and journey with you, we would love to do that. But I want to, I want to express to you something very clearly as we end. This isn't an easy thing to grapple with. Because the moment you stand there and you begin to process everything the enemy can do to bring up pride in your life, and you're going to say, I deserve this moment. I've worked hard. I should be able to hold on to this one thing in my life. I've given all of that. I want this. I'm entitled to this. That's the self, but it's going to speak to you very clearly. And it's going to make you want to not let go and hand it over to Christ. And it could be the shame and the guilt 
says, why would Jesus want this mess of a life I have? Oh, wretched man, as Paul said that I am. Why would Jesus want this? But that's your self-pity that's speaking. Because Christ came and gave his life for you. Christ loves you. He sits at the right hand of the Father right now, making intercession for you because he loves you. And whatever your sin struggle is, he wants it. Because he died for it. And he conquered it. So I just want to invite you to stand and you process in your own way. At home, you process in your own way. But process what it's going to mean to let go of that rope and let Jesus have it so that he can lead you to the conquering victory. I had this as I was thinking through this idea of tug of war. I had this idea of these people on either side and they're pulling back and forth and there's like 20 people on either side and this chain and they're, they're back and forth and the one on this end hooks it to a big um, ute and off it goes. And this one over here has nothing it can do to stop it. And that's what it's like when you hand it to Christ. There is nothing the enemy can do to stop him from dragging you into the very hope, peace, and love of his Father if you'll just hold on to him. Amen. Jesus, we love you. We thank you. We thank you that you know our sin struggle already. And though it's uncomfortable for us in many ways, help us to find the comfort in letting it go and letting you have it through faith. We want to live in our flesh through faith, Jesus, in you and what you can bring our life. We love you so much. We ask this in your name. Amen.